Hey friends, you're listening to Whole Heart with Monica C. Guidry, a place where you can discover your purpose, your passion, and a place to get tips to get zest for your life back. Keep listening. Every Monday and Thursday, new uploads and tons of laughs right here. Welcome to Whole Heart. This is Monica C. Guidry, and this is season three of Whole Heart with Monica C. Guidry, and I'm so excited. And of course, I had to like bring something to you that was a hot topic, because why start a season out, you know, with something mellow and, you know, not interesting? And I'm all about being interesting. And as you know, all of my shows are unedited, so what you get is what you get. What you see is what you see. And I think you guys like it like that. It's called authenticity, and that's I'm all about that. Um, and this season is going to be a great season because we're going to be talking about things that women want to talk about. Um, sometimes you're going to get me with me by myself, and sometimes you're going to get a special guest like today. Um, my good friend, I like to consider her as a best friend from a distance. Yes. I have adopted her as that. Um, <laughs> you can't see her face right now because we're having some technical difficulties, but you know who she is. She is Dr. Celeste Holbrook, and she is going to be with us today talking about the big O. And that is orgasms and why women are not achieving them. And if they are, it's, you know, less desirable, less than desirable. So she's going to talk to us about that. And um, hopefully if you guys have any questions, you can reach out to her. She'll, I'll provide all of that information at the end of the show. But first, let's welcome Dr. Celeste Holbrook. Thank you for coming on. Yay! Thank you, Monica. Thank you for having me back. I'm, I was so looking forward to talking to you today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I legit was. I inboxed you like, can you do it for me again? <laughs> I was like, heck yes, Graciously. I'm in. <laughs> Graciously said yes. So um, again, thank you for saying yes. And so what do you have to say about just the idea of women and orgasms and mm -hmm. why, I mean, this is kind of a little question, but why the majority of the women, a lot of women, I shouldn't say majority, but a lot of women are not achieving orgasms. Yeah. What a, what a wonderful question. And something that comes up a lot in the practice. Mm -hmm. Let's start from the beginning. So from the beginning, women, people who own vulvas are not encouraged to explore from the very beginning. So even if you think about how we potty train little uh, kids with penises and how we potty train kids with vulvas, kids with vulvas, we tell them, you know, sit down, use this toilet tissue. Um, and kids with penises, we say, grab your penis and shoot the Cheerio in the toilet, right? So we're from the very beginning encouraging um, kids with penises to own their genitals. And so I think this, you know, this issue of orgasm starts very, very early with um, not encouraging vulva owning kids to own their own genitals as a beautiful and pleasurable part of their body. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and then it kind of goes from there. So if you grow up in a household where you're not encouraged to, um, you know, touch yourself or you're ashamed for touching yourself, or you are um, told that, you know, masturbation is wrong or a sin, you know, then you get into adulthood and you've never really 
you don't know your own clitoris, you don't know your own vulva very well. And so it's very difficult to experience pleasure when you really don't know much about your own anatomy or how to experience that pleasure. Um, and then you get into a, maybe a partnership and you're rely, if you're relying on somebody else to give you the pleasure that you don't know how to give yourself, that can be really difficult and frustrating for both of you. And so I think this orgasm gap starts early or, or the reason for it starts very early and then continues on to adulthood until you kind of take the time to figure out what feels good for you, what doesn't feel good for you and how to communicate that with, to your partner. Right. That's a good point. Like if you do, if you don't know what feels good or what makes you feel good. It's like, how can you really express to your partner what to do to make you feel good? Right. Um, Essentially that's what you're saying. And then um, there can be kind of a mental block there. Also, if you're feeling that it's wrong, Mm -hmm. have pleasure. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's kind of, it's double, it's a mental block and it's a a physical unknowing. You know, like I need more education about my own body. It's like, if you're asking your partner to give you pleasure, but you don't know, you know, what, what to do to give yourself pleasure. It's like asking your, asking your partner, like, I want you to make me my favorite meal and they make you lasagna. And you're like, what are you doing? I wanted corn dogs, (laughs) you know? Um, and, and so it really does take some understanding of your own body along with deconstructing those mental blocks that you grew up with that kind of told you that touching yourself was wrong or that your own pleasure is not worthy or that, you know, if you have a male partner, your men's pleasure is more important than yours. So, so good. Mm -hmm. That's really Mm -hmm. good because as women, I don't think, I mean, me specifically, I can just talk not now, but in past, not knowing that my, this is going to sound really odd, but Hmm. um, that me being pleasured was also important. It was always wanting my partner to be pleased, you know, and not necessarily myself. So the concentration was on them and not necessarily on myself. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not alone, Monica. I don't want, I want you to know that is that that's a lot of us focus on our male partner's pleasure because we internalize those messages from very early on that men have needs and that they, you know, like sexual needs and that they're, it's, um, it's carnal and it's innate and they have to, you know, experience sex a certain amount of days apart or, or whatever. Um, and those, you know, we have this kind of one dimensional view of male sexuality Mm -hmm. and we, we buy into it too. And like, we have just as much of those internalized toxic masculinity messages as, you know, maybe men do that their pleasure is more important somehow because it's, it's necessary versus sex is something that both of us negotiate together. Right. Right. Yes. I love that. That we negotiate together. Mm -hmm. So, Around this business of orgasms, we know that media, or I shouldn't even say media, but just television in general, you know, puts this grandiose idea of what it should feel like and what it should look like. And when we are not achieving what we see, we somehow feel that we've not, um, we've not had, um, an orgasm essentially, you know, because it doesn't look like that and it doesn't sound like that. That's exactly right. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, if you think about sex is one of the only things in life that we only witness 
on television mm-hmm. um, until we are experiencing it ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like eating, you witness other people cooking and you understand you are modeled eating behavior, you're modeled driving behavior, you're modeled every other behavior in life except for sex. And so we we internalize a great deal of messaging around sex through, um, through, through media, through TV or porn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that they've done us a large disservice as women, um, creating narratives that orgasms sound a certain way, they look a certain way, they are explosive in a certain way, they happen just with, you know, five seconds of, you know, penetration <laughs> and quickly and all of this, um, all of these stories that are essentially not true for everyone. You know, maybe sometimes they happen in that way, but it gives a very flat definition of what an orgasm looks like. And so we end up thinking a lot of the times like, well, I think I, you know, I felt good or I I had a release or I felt some pelvic floor contractions, but you know, it wasn't mind blowing. And so something must be wrong with me because it doesn't look like you know, it did on certain show or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Now, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're flowing. You're flowing. I don't like oh, that. no, you're fine. Well, I was just saying like, so we, we tend to look sex through, look at sex through a performative lens, right? Because we're, we only see it performed for us. That's it. We only see sex performed for us. So in our actual bedrooms, we take this like lens of performance and we try to apply it to our own lives um, where we actually should or have the best sex when we are there to experience it versus to perform it. Mm -hmm. So have you ever been having sex and you're like, experience it versus performing it? Yes. Good. That's right. And really that's what my whole work is about as a sex educator. I'm helping people move from performative sex, like, you know, what do I want to, you know, what are the sex positions that are going to make me feel great to how, what are the sex positions that help me experience the, what, what I want to experience in my sexual, ex, in my, my sex life. Um, so yeah, we, we move from performance based sex, like this is how, this is how an orgasm looks. This is how it sounds. This is what I am supposed to quote unquote do to get there to experience based sex where like, how do I feel? How do I like my clitoris to be touched? How do I like my skin to be rubbed? How do we do this together in a way that feels really good? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can help a lot of people move from like, ah, oh, my orgasm isn't that great to, wow, this entire sexual experience feels connective and pleasurable. The whole experience itself, from mm. start to finish, it all the, the experience of it. I'm, I love that so much because really, Taking take it takes a lot of pressure off when you you move from performance into experience. You know you don't have to feel like you know that it has to be this grandiose type of thing when you're concentrating on the whole thing versus one small element of it. That's yes. Cool. So exactly. what would you what would you say? Um, I'm sure. So so back to the explosive part because there mm. are women that want to have you know, explosive orgasms, is there, is that something that is attainable, you know, to have that, you know, is there a certain position or something, you know, is it, they got just got to get out of their head. Like it, what is mm-hmm. it that they can do in order to experience something like that? Or is yeah. it? 
Yeah, we actually aren't sure. We aren't sure, right? We I can't say I can't say, you know, as a blanket statement that every woman, you know, can experience a mind-blowing you know, super intense orgasm. Uh We do know that orgasms can change over time or the way in which you experience them can change over time, or you may be able to stimulate them in different ways over time. You can, um, but, but first let's just talk about what an actual orgasm is. So do that. Yeah. So for vulva owners, for penis owners, it is actually the same. An orgasm is a an involuntary contraction of the pelvic floor muscles. So an involuntary contraction. Um, Yeah, that's right. So that's why ejaculate comes out in spurts. (laughs) Like, have you ever thought about that? Right. Yeah, because it's during the orgasm, the pelvic floor is contracting and pushing the ejaculate out of the penis. And so that's why it comes out in spurts at, by the way, 37 miles per hour, if you dared to know, if you cared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're good to know. It's good. <laughs> Save that for another time. That's right. That's right. Um, and so for vulva owners, it's the same. It's an involuntary contraction of the pelvic floor, but we don't typically have ejaculate coming out. So it's just a contraction. Um, and it it's it is like a sensory experience um, because there's a pendental nerve and some nerves going into your pelvic floor. It feels very, very good or it can for some, for some people it does not. Right. But you know, let's say you have a small involuntary contraction or like a little flutter contraction. It might not make your toes curl. It's just kind of like a blip and kind of you're done, you know, but a lot of women who have experienced, and I made up this word, actually a flutter orgasm, just Uh kind of like a, like a little, a little something. And then it's kind of gone. Mm -hmm. They feel like something's wrong with them. Um, but they, because it's not like that toe curling, screaming, you know, off the top of my head orgasm, um, that most people don't necessarily experience all the time. Uh, they feel something's wrong with them when in reality, it's just, they're comparing themselves to what we have seen on TV. And so, um, orgasms can look like a lot of different things, but I think what's really important to know is that when we ask people what their favorite part of sex is, they've actually done some research. Mm -hmm. People's favorite part of sex is the part before orgasm that we call arousal, like the getting aroused for sex is what 70, 70% of people say is their favorite part of sex. And so we have to flip this narrative that orgasm is like the be all end all of sex, because most people like all of that warm up and that grinding and making out and getting there and feeling the warm feelings, you know? So I think that's really important for us to remember is that orgasm might not be the end all of sex. (laughs) For me, it's interesting. And we're like, I was, I was telling Dr. Celeste to those of you listening, like we're just having a conversation because I'm just thinking when she said most people like the arousal part. And I'm like, for me, this is where I feel like that I'm kind of more, you know, by society standards or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever, however you want to view men, but like a man in some ways, because I'm like, let's stick to it. Like, I don't want the, I don't need the warming up. I don't need the, (laughs) 
You know, when I'm ready yeah. for it, I'm ready to go. You know, and I'm ready. Yeah. Let's hit it. You know, let's let's hit it and hit it hard and and you know get me to where I need to get to. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's just really interesting that you know that there are a sector of people that enjoy the the warming up or whatever. But then mm-hmm. there's people like me that's just like I don't need to have that. And and you might be listening out there, women that say that are like me, and it's just mm-hmm. like you know I wanna I wanna experience. You know, the, the getting, not getting it over with, but see, like but getting that to that climax. But is that performance or is that experiential? I don't know. I don't know. Is it, I don't know. But that's how I am. Yeah. No, and I love that. And I think that you can think of, of, in terms of runways, like you just have a shorter runway to get your plane off the ground and that is okay. And it's okay if people have longer runways and it's, right. we're not going to judge it here, here nor there. Right. Just not at a all. matter of time. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. You go ahead. You can, can continue. No, you're you're fine. I I was you know thinking that um, maybe we talk a little bit about like those stages of orgasm, or maybe we talk a little bit about you know those different parts of sex that people prefer. You know, I love to do that. This, you know what? Because we, this is a part one and a part two. I think this is probably a really good stopping point, and then we'll pick up on part two and we'll talk about those different stages. So, if you, is that okay with mm-hmm. you, Dr. Celeste? That's absolutely fine with me. That's perfect. Okay. So, if you're tuning in, we're going to do part two. So that means that you got to listen next week. Uh, so that you can hear what part two is for those different stages of you who are extremely interested in this. And I know that it's a lot of you because you guys have inboxed me. So (laughs) stay tuned for the next show. And thank you for listening to this episode of Whole Heart with Monica C. Guidry. And until we meet again, I'll talk to you soon.